You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph, and I just realized my mic is way over here. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but there you go. Can you guys hear me now? I'm sure that's a lot better. Um, What's going on, guys? Welcome to Wednesday's episode. We're going to be previewing the 49ers offense going up against the Chiefs defense. And to do that today, I am joined with Rob Stats Guerrera and Levin Black of Niners Nation. And they do a wonderful podcast together. And I was actually fortunate enough to join Rob in the latest episode uh, recorded earlier today. So uh, very excited about that. How are you guys doing today? on this fine hump day. I'm doing well. well. I'm doing better because I didn't have to talk to Rob earlier today. Yeah, he shows up for your show, Steph, but he doesn't show up for our actual show together. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to make this happen, though. So uh, glad to have both of you guys on. And Rob, I actually meant to ask you, how did you get the nickname Stats? How did that come about? So when I was at ESPN, I was an intern and my first job there was to hand was to watch the college games and hand interesting statistics to the hosts that were on the air. And somebody walked by a producer, walked by the studio and they were like, who's that kid in the studio? And the producer of the show was like, I don't know, stats, because that's literally all he knew about me was that I got people's stats. And from then on, nobody ever called me Rob again at ESPN. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good name. I like it. It, it suits you. Uh, and then, Lovin, I, I was going to ask you how you got the nickname Semi-Wet Blanket. <laughs> yes, well, Lovin. Tell yeah, her. Uh, you're looking at him. Not me. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> that guy's just mad because, oh, you know, I'm a realist and, and I put down all of his terrible ideas and he thinks it's a wet blanket thing. You are the human wet blanket. <laughs> It's a great nickname nonetheless. Um, (laughs) But before we get into some of uh, talking about this game in the 49ers offense, we got some 49ers news to talk about a whole lot of it. Unfortunately, most of it is injury updates. uh, So let's get into it. Uh, Jason Verrett, he is practicing in full and that's that's some great news. I mean, with Emmanuel Mosley being out, Charvarius Ward potentially also being out for this game. Uh, it's looking, it's trending towards the direction of Traverius Ward being out. So Verrett being back, I think, is some good reinforcement on that side uh, for the secondary. And uh, Nick Bosa, he's limited today. Trent Williams was limited today in practice, as well as Jimmy Ward. And when you're limited on Wednesday, I feel like that's a pretty good sign that you can play on Sunday. And uh, Jimmy Ward, he's... He was trying to test out the cast. Did you guys see the the picture of him with the or video of him with the club on his hand? I mean, it's pretty badass. Definitely not getting interceptions with that thing. <laughs> if he did, I I would be pretty impressed. Although you guys you guys remember last season, uh, there was that one interception that didn't count, right? The one where he caught it with his butt. I remember that. Look, by yeah, any means so. necessary. I mean, if if it if it falls to you, you, you got to find a way, right? So, um, I personally would like it if he does try to play in this game. 
Um, and there are some guys who are question marks for this one because they didn't practice today and uh, they're day-to-day. Samson Ebukam, one of those players, he's dealing with the Achilles tendonitis. That sounds scary, right? Like I, that's not something I want to mess with or you know risk further injury to, although he was in and out of that game against the Falcons last week with that. Uh, Mike McGlinchey also did not practice today. He's day-to-day. Telenovo Funga is in concussion protocol. Already mentioned Charvarius Ward. He's still day-to-day, didn't practice today. Eric, Eric Armstead, Kyle Shanahan already said he's very unlikely to play. So a question for you guys, if Mike McGlinchey is out, we're looking at Daniel Brunskill or Blake Hans at right tackle, right? And do you guys have a preference? And before you guys answer, I'm going to give you some stats here. Uh, Brunskill last week on 46 total snaps. He played 36 at right tackle and 10 at right guard. He had 37 pass blocking snaps, four pressures, four hurries allowed. Hans on nine pass blocking snaps, two pressures, one hurry, one QB hit. So now I'll I'll let you answer. Do you guys have a preference between those two guys? I, I think our silence speaks for how good <laughs> either one of those pro- prospects are of those guys playing. It, yeah, it it is what it is. I'm. I think we're all in Niner fandom after the last few years sick of, oh gee, is this backup going to be good enough? Because the starter's injured, whether it's at the tackles or any other position. At least my hope is with Brunskill that like he does have some experience at tackle, and last week he kind of had to come in cold right like when's the last time he even played tackle in a game at least this week like he can prepare a little have a few game a few practices in to sort of you know just kind of refresh everything and and i to be clear i don't think he's very good i don't think hans is very good but i guess i would feel slightly better with brunskill there although like levin said it's it's i mean it's two bad choices yeah and i'm with you I, I feel like Brunsko, I mean, he's been with the team now for a few years and he has that experience. I I know it's always tough going in there cold for offensive linemen, I feel like especially. Um, and so that probably explains, you know, all the pressures that they gave up last week. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think Brunskill would probably be a safer bet in this case, but you don't feel great about either one of those guys. Hey, but at least Trent Williams is going to be back, right? Like that's that's the hope right now. I, I, that certainly makes a difference. So one tackle for the other tackle. <laughs> we'll, we'll take what we can it's, get. That's you know? not the only issues with the offense. I mean, arguably the best thing on the offense so far this year has been the offensive line. Like they, they've been above average. They haven't been terrible. The run game's not moving except for one game. You know, Jeff Wilson, he, he's nothing spectacular. He was, you know, Rob and I on our show said basically he's somebody that won't make a mistake. Well, now he's lost two fumbles in a, yeah. an abbreviated season so far. So you can't even say that with him. And then obviously the passing game, it's been hit or miss. There's been drops by the receivers. There's been ineffective games by Jimmy Garoppolo. It, there's so many concerns on the offense. I, I don't even know if that tackle spot would be the biggest one going into the game. 
That that speaks volumes right there. And Rob and I earlier, we were talking about how things need to go perfectly for this offense to really get rolling. And if the execution isn't perfect, it's really tough sledding. And to me, that's an issue because teams are going to force you into those difficult positions, into those uncomfortable positions where you're going to have to find ways to win in different ways that you're not used to. Right. And my question is, can this offense do that? Like they haven't so far shown an ability to adjust when they're forced out of their comfort zone. And this is a game where they're going to need to do that. I mean, we're kind of assuming in this one that, you know, the defense less than 100%, lots of injuries, going up against Patrick Mahomes, they're not going to give you the same level of comfort and safety that they usually do. And so can this offense pick up the slack? That is the one question that, you know, I've been asking myself throughout this whole week because they couldn't do it last week. But now going into this week, they have to know what they have to do, right? I mean, they have to step up. Um, There's no two ways around it. So do you guys feel, how confident do you guys feel about the offense being able to win out of their comfort zone? Out of their comfort zone? Zero. Because number one, I don't know if they can do it. And number two, the coach doesn't seem to want to do it. And the perfect example was that Falcons game last week when they're down two scores and they get the ball at the one yard line and they, they don't hurry. They don't alter their offense in any way to adjust to the circumstances of the game. And so now I feel like that's where we are, right? You're probably going to have to alter your offense to adjust to the circumstances and whether it's Kyle doesn't want to do it or Kyle doesn't think they have any chance to do it or whatever the issue is, it does seem to be an issue. And that's the concerning thing for me, because if there's only one path to victory, you know, Mike Tyson always has that famous line. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, when the 49ers get punched, they don't punch back. I think it's a bigger issue than just this team in this offense. And, you know, Rob, you're familiar with this a little bit because I tweeted it out or sent you my tweets, but all of Shanahan's disciples have struggled this season. Everybody running this system has struggled this year. I can read it off here. You know, this is, we can just go by points scored. You got the Niners at 19th. You got the Rams at 25th. You got the Packers at 24th. The Jets, ironically, are one of the best at 10th in points. You got the Dolphins at 17. You got the Falcons. Arthur Smith runs a variation of it. He learned under Matt LaFleur in Tennessee. They're actually the best at eighth in points, but they're only 23rd in yards. So you can't say the offense has been that good. And then you got the Vikings down at 14th. Like none of these offenses are doing anything of note. And yet it's supposed to be this great offense. I feel like maybe the defenses in the NFL have kind of figured out how to limit it. And you're going to have to adjust your offense. Too many teams are running this offense. I mean, that's nearly what a fourth of the league right there running that offense defenses are too familiar with it. And, you know, when I tweeted that some people, including, you know, on our Niners network, uh, Jason Apani said, well, you know, you got no offensive weapons with the Packers or you got a bad offensive line with green Bay, but that gets back to what Rob was just saying. Everything has to be perfect. Then like, to me, that's excuses. 
you say, oh, well, if our offensive line isn't good, this offense can't work. Well, then how are other teams with bad offensive lines able to get some big strikes? You know, with the Niners, they don't have a really good run game. So now all of a sudden, because they, they don't have their number one running back, the whole offense can't work. Like either the offense isn't very good of a scheme anymore, or you can overcome one unit on the offense not being very good. And so far, none of these offenses have been able to do that. Yeah. And I think the one positive I think we can take from the offense, there aren't many, right? But I think the one positive is actually Jimmy Garoppolo, which we, when have we said that? <laughs> he's, but these last few games, he's been, he's been really consistent. And so he used to always be the low hanging fruit, right? To blame. And, and for good reason, because, you know, the other times that the offense has looked, you know, very stagnant, they'd go into those weird slow starts. It was easy to, to blame Jimmy Garoppolo. He did have some fault in it, I think. But these last few games, he's put together some pretty solid performances that I think you can win with. And so what then becomes the excuse? All the fingers are going to start pointing to Kyle Shanahan and I think it's it's fair. I mean, looking at some of these comments here, man, I trying to figure out the uh, let me just ditch the background here. One second. One second. Here we go. Ooh, let me see like if this that. works. <laughs> yeah. Live. Live, baby. OK, that's better. Whatever. So Lisa here says there was only one game we can blame Jimmy more than everything else. And that was against the Broncos. Uh, and, and so, you know, to the point I was making, yeah, these last two games, you, you can't blame Jimmy. So who's left to blame? You know, it, it always comes back to the top. Des here also says, I feel like Jimmy had plenty of time to throw last game and should be better this week. Um, yeah, he had going back to the offensive line, the offensive line's actually been, you know, better than average. Like you said, Levin, it, better than we thought going into the season, and yeah, Jimmy had some time to throw and that's always a good thing. And he should be better this week. There isn't anything about the Chiefs defense that scares me too much. I think the only thing is Chris Jones, right? Uh, which Jake Brendel kind of worries me a little bit. I don't know how you guys feel about Jake Brendel through, you know, the first six weeks of the season, but that's going to be one matchup that you know, I think can really impact the game. If you remember after the Super Bowl, Jones was not afraid to let it rip about Jimmy Garoppolo. And he essentially said, we knew he was going to throw over the middle of the field. Like that's the only place he ever throws. That's why we had our hands up. We knew we could knock some passes down because we knew where the throws were going. And it's kind of upsetting to me that that still applies completely to the offense in 2022. It hasn't really changed at all. Although I will say that throw that Garoppolo made to Brandon Ayuk, it was like a 40 yard throw that ended up not counting because of the penalty on Brendel. I didn't think Jimmy had that in his bag. That's a throw outside the hash marks on the left side. And he throws it 40 yards down the field outside the hash marks on the opposite side of the field. And it was perfectly placed right before the sideline. I didn't know he had that in his bag. Now that I know it's there, let's see it, man. Let yeah. it rip, Jimmy. Exactly. Let's have Jimmy Garoppolo, not to cut you off, Steph. Let's have yeah. Garoppolo be the reason we win instead of just saying, well, he wasn't the reason that we lost. I mean, he had three of those throws in the game. 
He had mm-hmm. the Ayuk one that you just mentioned. He had the one to Warner. That was a great deep ball. Perfect throw. Accurate. And he had the one to Ray Ray that should have been caught, but Ray Ray stumbled, didn't take good angle, however you want to call it, that made it go off his fingertips. All three of those were perfect passes by the quarterback, and mm-hmm. none of them ended up going for completions. Yeah, and and again, this is something like a, we touched on with Rob earlier, was like at the end of the day, when that becomes a reoccurring thing that – your players are dropping the ball, especially in like these key moments. Again, that should fall on execution. Execution falls on the head coach. And I, I don't really know what's going on there, but drops have been an issue. Debo Samuel, I think has the most drops on the team. He didn't have any last week. I don't think, but you know, it's just something that is reoccurring that, shouldn't be happening, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo is giving you some good passes, which again, we can't say that very often, but the uh, the rest of the guys on this team need to be able to capitalize on those. And so it, it really is a team effort to for everything to, to go perfectly. But again, it goes back to the execution. Going back to Brandon Ayuk, he's going to be seeing a lot of luxurious Sneed uh, and PFF has him ranked 10th out of 108 qualified receivers. Would this concern you at all that, you know, he's he has a tough matchup this week? Or are we seeing Brandon Ayuk becoming matchup proof? I mean, I've always been high on Ayuk, as Rob knows. It's true. I, I do think he can beat any corner. Doesn't mean it's going to happen every play. You know, he, get, he goes against the top corner. There's going to be an, an extra play or two there that he doesn't win his matchup. But I do think he gets opportunities in the intermediate to deep pretty much every game. And it's just whether or not it, it matches up. And in a lot of games, it hasn't because it. I think a lot of things have to do with in this offense with Jimmy Garoppolo. He hasn't been the first read. He hasn't been the go to. And Jimmy, we've seen he kind of gives up on those deeper routes a little too quick sometimes. But last week. Ayuk kind of emerged. He had the two touchdowns. Maybe Jimmy's starting to say, you know what, I need to give him time and trust that he's going to get open because he's consistently beating his opponent. And that deep throw that ended up being called back due to holding is one of the examples of he allowed it to develop. Ayuk wasn't open for the first couple seconds. It was once he made the cut to the outside that he got open. The thing I like is that Jimmy seems to be picking up confidence with him. He had 11 targets last week. That's more than he's had in the last two seasons. It's like he's finally being featured as a focal point. Even that the the touchdown he had, the second touchdown, I believe it was, Jimmy just hits him on a quick little route, you know, an in and out route, basically. And Ayuk does the rest. And I feel like that's the kind of stuff where Jimmy's going to be like, wait, I could just just dump this off real quick and he could do the rest. Like I don't have to throw it to him 10, 15, 20 yards down the field in order to connect. And I feel like, I don't know why it's taken this long. Maybe because Ayuk was frozen out of the offense for part of the year, but whatever it is, it seems like they're gaining a little chemistry and it could be huge for this offense. Because like Levin said, if Ayuk can get open against the tough corners, you can still hit Debo for those big plays. I feel like Ayuk is the more consistent weapon compared to Debo. So if you have something, just something, one thing you can rely on on this offense, that will help when times get tough and you need a play. For example, this this upcoming week, I mean, I feel like he definitely needs to continue to 
see more targets. And I know that's not the 49ers game, right? Like 11 targets, by the way, Debo and Kittle had 10 targets of their own last week. That's sort of unusual for all the pass catchers to have that many targets. But again, like I I feel like that's something the 49ers should maybe lean into a little bit more because they, again, they need to find ways to win in that isn't their normal, you know, recipe. They like to run the football, but that isn't going to always work in every situation, whether it be, you know, you're, you're down two scores early, you have to start passing the ball or, you know, maybe the defense is really keyed in on your run game and you have to pivot. Um, So yeah, I, I would love to see Ayuk more involved. And I think it's a confidence thing, not just for Jimmy throwing to Ayuk, but Jimmy just throwing and and knowing that he can hit those like downfield, uh, you know, throws with some accuracy. Like maybe that's a confidence boost to him, even though, you know, a lot of those ended up not being completions or or the one that got negated by the penalty. You know, I feel like those can be confidence builders for Jimmy too, to know like, Hey, like, okay, I, I could, I can hit those. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully we see more of that. Um, but talking about Debo Samuel, he's been carrying the ball a lot less the last few weeks um, in comparison to like the first three or so games in weeks four to six. He only had two carries in each of those games. And a part of me is a little happy that, you know, they kind of went away from it because it was getting to a point in those first three games where it was becoming so predictable. And like the defenses were so keyed in on Debo Samuel. Anytime he's in the backfield, they weren't really doing anything super creative um, with him in that sense. So how do you guys feel about that? Do, Do you like that he's handling less carries? Do you feel like we'll eventually see a counter game where Kyle Shanahan's just showing less carries for Debo and then he kind of explodes for, you know, five carries in a game? I mean, it wasn't working, so you can't just keep doing it. it defenses are keen on Debo. Like, I think yeah. defenses in the offseason realized if Debo doesn't get that one big explosive play, this offense won't do anything consistently. And that's why I think you're seeing Ayuk, uh, you know, like you talked about that underneath route, uh, Rob, earlier. That's one of the reasons why you can do that because the defense is still going to be keen on Debo. So it's going to give Ayuk a little bit more of a running lane on something like that. And it's the same way in the run game. If Debo is in the backfield, the defense is going to be crashing hard and it's just not going to work. Eventually, if they keep not giving Debo the ball in those situations, you're going to see the defense back up and play it a little more honest. And then at that point, I think you'll probably see Debo start getting the ball again on pitches and things like that. That was never the plan for this offense. The only reason that Debo became the wideback last year is because they had so many running backs go down and they were so desperate to find a way to make a big play. This offense is built on those big chunk plays and they couldn't get them last year until Debo went in the backfield and saved them and basically dragged them kicking and screaming to the postseason. This year, that's not working. They they need to get it from somewhere and I don't think it's it's going to be from Debo this year in that role. I think it'll be more from him as a traditional wide receiver, more from Ayuk, and hopefully when Elijah Mitchell gets back, again, see, this is the problem, right? When Elijah Mitchell gets back, somebody else will get hurt. Trent Williams is coming back. 
Mike McGlinchey goes out. It's never full strength. So you're always left saying like, well, if we just get healthy, but if Elijah Mitchell comes back, I think he can get them those big plays in the ground game, which will allow Debo to be more of a traditional receiver, which people forget. He was crushing it last year as a straight up wide receiver before they made him the running back. He was putting up like a hundred yards every single week. It was incredible. And he can do that again as long as the other parts of the offense allow him to. How did this offense get to the point where it's, well, the run game can't work unless Eli Mitchell is there. Wasn't this offense supposed to be like foolproof for the running back? You can plug anybody in. You know, there's so many options so cheap. You don't need to use draft capital. Yet here we are, a team that has used back-to-back third-round picks on a running back, and neither one of them are contributing. One's not even on the team anymore. And the guy that they're counting on was a late-round pick who we saw last year. Yes, he's really good when he follows his blocks, but he still had some ball carrier vision issues where he didn't quite get to the right spot. You know, he wasn't infallible, yet he's the only guy that can make this run game work. How did it become that? This was supposed to be the offense that you could plug in any running back and it would work. And I think that could be part of the reason for the offensive struggles, right? Because they lean so much on the run game um, to set up the pass and things like that. You know, they like to get in those third and short situations. And when your run game's not effective, before you know it, you're you're in a lot of third and long situations. And that's not the way that they like to operate. And we mentioned the fact that the offensive line's actually been blocking pretty well. So, you know, what what is the issue? I, I don't know. I, I I really can't find an answer other than the fact that again, like I, I think it goes back to the coach and being able to make adjustments. That's the one thing that you know, I, I feel like Kyle Shanahan, I, I wish he would do more is adjust and, and pivot when, when things aren't going well. And I mean, it's tough when a lot of your running backs are hurt. Um, most of them are hurt, but you know, they still got to find a way to, to win and, and have an effective, you know, offense, even if your run game is not working like that, that's the thing. And I think that's what Mike McDaniel helped so much with even though some of these offensive struggles date back to last season as well, when Mike McDaniel yes. was around here. So I, I don't know what, what the answer is, Rob, do you have any answer for that? Well, the one thing that I heard Joe Staley say, which makes a lot of sense to me is he said the adjustment the Niners made against the Rams and against the Panthers was on third down. They went empty with Jimmy Garoppolo, put him in the shotgun and it, it kind of cleared the picture up for him. He was able to kind of see what the defense was going to do and he knew where to go with the ball and he converted. I would actually like to see them do that with Jimmy on first down. Forget this. I will bet you all the money in my pockets against all the money in your pockets that the first offensive play for the Niners against the Chiefs is going to be a run up the middle because it always is. And that kind of puts Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like, in the exact situation you want to avoid, which is third down, must-pass situation. That's the whole game plan for the Niners is keeping Jimmy out of that situation. But I feel like the way to do that, let Jimmy throw on first down. If he throws incomplete, whatever. But get him an easy completion. Give me one of the Jimmy gimmies that we all know are still there. Have him throw it to Kittle, whatever it is. Let him throw on first down. Then if it's second and medium, second and short, you're so much more unpredictable as an offense 
if you run the ball and you only pick up three yards, great. Now you've set up third and short, or maybe you get a first down. To me, they got to let Jimmy throw on first down as opposed to just trying to wait until third down. Rob, do you even have your wallet in your pocket? Yes, I do. <laughs> Look, there it is. How much money are we talking? Like a dollar? I have no cash on me at the moment. What's I almost <laughs> never have cash on me. You would have one of those metal wallets. I know. You? It's like simple, simple man right here. Simple. Yeah, see? <laughs> see, Steph made that a nice thing. You, ass, made that a mean thing. <laughs> what kind of wallet do you have? What do you have, half a cow in your pocket? I got, you want to see it? Five. Here we go. I got real Italian leather from when I was in Italy. Ooh. And <clears throat> well, 24 karat, my initials stamped. Thank you very much. Oh, God. Could you that's, be any more right of a freaking jerk? <laughs> Steph, do you have a wallet? What's your what's your money situation? My my wallet, I, I'm very simple with my wallets, too. I usually just have the card holder ones. And uh, mm. I don't often carry a lot of cash on me. See? Yeah, Levin. Too bulky. Too bulky. Rich Corinthian leather over there. <laughs> your embossed <laughs> wallet. Give me a break. <laughs> but look, we were just talking about, you know, the running backs and how it's not very effective right now. You know, the run game and Jeff Wilson Jr., he's having fumbling issues and everyone is like, talking well all the fans you know they're going crazy over the cmc you know reports that he could get traded and the 49ers are interested look like the last few comments have been all people talking about cmc so what do you guys think about this because the trade deadline is approaching would you go for a christian mccaffrey uh trade bring him back to the bay or are you like hell no Levin, you want to take this one first? Well, I mean, I tweeted that I would go as high as a second round pick. I'm not excited to get CMC in all honesty, just because of all the injuries. Like we're going to really get the most injury prone running back when the whole point is we have problems with running backs getting injured. But at the same time, I do think this Niners offense, it's time for some desperation. I'm not willing to give up, you know, the first, you know, obviously they don't have their first this year, but uh, next year, I'm not willing to touch that. I'm not willing to give up more than a second, but I would go as high as a second just because this offense is desperate at this point. I, I, I think this offense is going to ruin this season if they just keep it status quo. I don't think Jeff Wilson's good enough. Uh, you know, they've had three of the last four games. They didn't even get 100 yards rushing. Like the rushing game is broken and they need to do something to change it. And continuing to run out Jeff Wilson just isn't going to get it done. And Eli Mitchell isn't ready to come back. The first three years of his career, Christian McCaffrey played 16 games every year. The last three years, he's played 16 games combined. Is he a good player? Yes, he is. Like we saw in that game against the Niners. I mean, he turned a lot of plays, you know, gaining extra yards, avoiding tacklers, all that stuff. The problem is I just have zero faith in him. To, stay, to be able to contribute for any length of time to where what you give up is going to be worth it. And it's frustrating because I agree. Like, I would like to see some sort of infusion of change in the offense. In 2019, they recognized they had a need. They gave up a second and a third to bring in Emmanuel Sanders, and it made a big difference, not only on the field, but also mentoring some of the receivers that were already there. 
I'd like to see some sort of an injection. But like Levin and I were talking last week about Odell Beckham Jr. because there are reports that he may yeah. be ready to sign next month. And I, do we want to bring in Odell Beckham Jr.? And it was kind of like, well, would it be nice to have him? Yes. Do we have confidence that they will use him and incorporate him? I don't know. But I agree, Levin. They have to do something. I just don't know what it is. Well, yeah, that was going to be my next question because I, 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 I'm also like I would be excited, right, if CMC came to the Bay, right, and it was on the 49ers. I think it would excite me more than it would upset me that he's you know injury prone or whatever. Um, but that being said, I also feel like running back is probably to me it's not the biggest need. Elijah Mitchell, yeah, he's not ready this week, but after the bye week, I think that's what they're projecting him to be ready. And you know, from there, you have the second half of the entire season left. And assuming he stays healthy, like that's a pretty good stretch to have you know your RB one available. Of course, that's assuming he he stays healthy. Um. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I feel like they wouldn't deem running back a need, and of course, to invest, you know, I, I like your idea, Levin, a second round pick. I don't think I'd go any higher. Um, so, but still, like that's you know that they've already invested quite a bit into their running backs these last couple seasons, and. I don't know. I don't know if that's the biggest need. And so my question to you guys was going to be like, okay, if it's not the running backs, what is a position of need for this offense specifically? Like, is it someone else on the offensive line? Uh, I mean, we talked about Jake Brendel. He's, he's not exactly, you know, the, the best center out there, but good centers are hard to find and you're not going to trade a good one away. So yeah, you're I, not I gonna think... get one mid-season. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 out of the picture. So in that case, what on the offense would be of enough need to warrant a trade? I don't know if I see any position. How about just change the offense. scheme? You drafted a power running back and you know in Ty Davis Price. How about changing the scheme to fit his need his uh skills and run more up the gut, run some power runs, let him sit there and use his bigger body to move the pile and get the four or five yards, you know, up the middle. I, I think a lot of the issues are th- the scheme needs to change. It is too, too prevalent in the NFL and you don't see any of those teams getting outside runs. Even last week, you know, where did Atlanta beat the 49ers? They were going up the gut and getting four or five yards every time. And the running backs where when they hit the linebackers three or four yards after the line of scrimmage, they were falling forward and making mm-hmm. it a five, six, seven yard run instead. That's the advantage of going straight downhill when you go up the middle. I want to see more of that and stop trying to get these outside runs. You know, like the pitch to Coleman was inexcusable to me. Oh. One, it would have worked if Coleman was he, actually yeah. an NFL running back. He <laughs> had the outside where it was designed yeah. to go. And instead he cut inside completely took his blocker out of his angle and allowed the guy that was about to get blocked by the offensive line who was pulling out there to get the tackle instead. Like it just doesn't work. Nobody is capable of picking the right, having the speed and being able to pick the right hole when running those outside schemes. But what, why is Tevin Coleman getting that opportunity? Why does Kyle Shanahan think that broke ass Tevin Coleman off the street, Tevin Coleman 
is a better option than Ty Davis price. Maybe not on that particular play or, or uh, Jordan Mason. Like why it's, it goes back to Kyle with his guys, man. He's got his guy. When you're in the Shanahan circle of trust, you're in for life, man. Tevin Coleman is there. Ross Dwelly is there. Jeff Wilson Jr. is there. Like Jeff Wilson Jr. is just a guy. He's just a guy. And you obviously thought that you needed help there because like Levin said, they've invested in the running back in the draft recently. So you, you're admitting that there is a problem that needs improvement. You take steps to make that improvement, but then you don't take any steps to actually put those players out on the field to improve the thing that you said needed improvement. It doesn't make any sense. Here's my issue though. Like I, I think a lot of it has to do with it. He wants a running back who truly knows everything. Cause this scheme, you know, you got to be able to pass catch. You got to be able to pass block. It's a little bit yeah. more complicated because the fullback is utilized as an offensive weapon. You know, he's not just the whatever you want to call it, you know, just the no brain go out and hit somebody fullback. And so a lot of times you're going to have the running back need to pick up actual blocking duties for somebody like Debo Samuel running the ball or Juice running the ball that you don't see in too many other offenses. But my whole point is, is what has Jeff Wilson brought to the passing game? Nothing. He's not a good pass catcher. He can't run routes. He's not bad at pass blocking, but he's not great. So either put Juice back there as the third down running back, if that's your issue, or go empty set. Change the offense. Like, why can't we do an empty set? Why do you need somebody back there? I just said that. <laughs> you guys are like a married and I added to here. it. Any more of my ideas that you want to steal on the show? How, how did I steal it? Did I add to it? I mean, I, listen, I laid it out there. I mean, geez, all you said was do the thing that Rob said 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm just shocked you were listening. <laughs> Usually I don't. You get you guys are cute. This is this is I feel like I'm I'm watching, you know, two parents uh, you know, arguing right now. Um Isn't it crazy but, how jealousy gets. Oh god. You know, well, you let her talk, it's her show. I, I come on camera and before we even start recording, this, Rob's like, Oh my god, you comb your hair, you don't do that for me. It's true. Did I lie? <laughs> Zero lies detected. <laughs> By the way, this is the most fun I've had on, on my podcast in quite a while. So thank you guys for that. But going back to the the running back conversation, I mean, I do. My hope is that the reason that Ty Davis Price didn't get those opportunities last week because he was he was active, I would think that maybe he just wasn't quite at one hundred percent yet, or they just want to ease him in. That would be my guess but it also it i don't know they did just didn't run the ball all that much at all um whether it was jeff wilson jr or tevin coleman right it's, it's a shame that tevin coleman got that one very important carry in the game and he completely botched it but um <laughs> since that experiment clearly did not go well and it was great in the first game it was all you know he made some good great plays you know some important ones uh, in in the game against the Panthers, but it the experiment failed the following week. So do you feel like now that Ty Davis Price is back, we see more of him this week, I would hope so, and less of Tevin Coleman? 
when when are they going to cut Tevin Coleman, right? Because they only had signed him when all the other running backs were hurt. Now Ty Davis Price is back, so do they even need him around still? It begs the question. It's Kyle's guy. He likes him, right? He likes him. He thinks he's a good receiving option. He's comfortable with he Kyle Shanahan always favors the known, I feel like, over the unknown. Like yeah. fourth down, oh, we might not get it. Well, I know if we punt, we'll probably be okay. So he punts. Tevin Coleman, it's a guy who's been around for years, right? They're looking for a running back. Who cares that he's on the street? Who cares that every other team in the league looked at him and was like, no, we can do better? Kyle Shanahan picks him up and signs it. Like, Again, I, I hate to go back to it. Not that this guy's a Hall of Famer, but like Jordan Mason's on the team, right? He made the team for a reason. You think that he's an NFL caliber player. So why are you taking snaps out of his hand and letting Tevin Coleman have snaps? Like, I just, I feel like Kyle needs, somebody has got to just speak to him. I don't know who can speak truth to Kyle Shanahan in that organization. I don't think anybody, to be honest with you, the only person I think can is Mike Shanahan which who doesn't work for the organization. I, I I think that's part of the issue here of all the problems that we are discussing. The Shanahan well, I, stubbornness has continued uh, with a second generation. <laughs> I, I feel like Mike McDaniel is probably one of those guys who could be like, you yes. know, really open to Kyle, but again, he's, he's not in the building anymore either. So who could be that guy now? I, you know, it's tough to say, but I agree. Like, I, I think, and not just Kyle, right? Like, I feel like every coach, everyone in a leadership role could use someone, you know, next to them who, you know, can kind of call them out, you know, when they're not right or, you know, with better advice than the ideas that they have, things like that. I mean, I don't know who that guy is. I do it for Rob all the time. Oh, see, I knew you're just (laughs) waiting. I could see it. That stupid grin on your face, but no, I think that we're right. Like you need to have somebody in your organization that could say, Hey, you're doing a stupid thing. And instead of the other person getting mad and getting defensive, they respect that opinion enough to stop and examine what they're doing and say, Hey, maybe I am doing a stupid thing and Kyle has lost those people. Robert Sala is gone. Mike McDaniel is gone. LaFleur is gone. You know, it's hard to, it takes time to replenish that. And I honestly, I wonder if that's part of the reason why Bobby Turner is suddenly back because Kyle has lost kind of the lieutenants there. And maybe he wanted that guy around him, recognizing that, that he needed that voice. Poor Bobby Turner, man. A lot of people. I just imagine Bobby Turner was just somewhere relaxing, you know, <laughs> you know, getting better from his surgery. And suddenly he gets he gets a call from from Kyle like, hey, so when can you be back? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> or you think he just gave him the you up text? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to watch some tape. You want to come watch? <laughs> hey, Bobby. That guy's got a good comment there. Yeah, Dawson here. He said, isn't that what Anthony Lynn is supposed to do? It seems like there's a lot of coaches on this staff where I look at him like, what would you say you do here? Anthony Lynn, you're number one. Brian Greasy, number two. What do you do? Like, I want to know, what are they doing? Brian Greasy has never been a quarterback coach at any level. All of a sudden, he's the quarterback coach. He's the guy they brought in to mentor and develop Trey Lance and now ultimately Jimmy Garoppolo. 
what are these guys doing? I don't know. I mean, nobody hey, Jimmy, bats 100. Jimmy looks good, though. That, that's a good point. Jimmy looks better. Fair, He's willing to take deeper shots. But, you know, nobody bats 100. I think Kyle has lost so many guys. You know, you can even go back to McVay. I mean, there's, there's what, four head coaches that he's lost. Plus, he has an offensive coordinator yeah. over on the Jets that would be the offensive coordinator here if he was still around in Mike LaFleur. So he's lost a lot of guys, and I think he's tried to take the quick way out. It's similar to, like, the roster construction. He sees this team as a contending team, so he doesn't necessarily want to develop guys. He wants to get guys in that have experience, like Anthony Lynn, and maybe they're not the right people. And he didn't go to, like, young hot shots like a McVay, like the LaFleurs, that ended up being savants and offensive geniuses themselves. And there's a disconnect because he has guys like Anthony Lynn. He's been a head coach. Maybe he doesn't see things the same way Kyle does. And because he's been a head coach, he's a little more stubborn. He's not going to fall in line and become almost like this mind meld that Kyle has had with so many of his former assistants. Like McDaniels thinks very similar to him. You know, Matt LaFleur thinks very similarly to Kyle. Same way with McVay. All these people have been very similar to Kyle in the way they see things and coach things. And he's been bringing in guys completely different that are outside of that and not grooming them. You know, even Brian Greasy, he was an NFL quarterback for a long time. He did play in this scheme under Mike Shanahan. But he's been around long enough. He's old enough that you're not really going to be able to mold him. You know what I mean? So I, I think Kyle's maybe tried to say, we have a contending team. I can't bring in some you know, 28, 29 year old hot shot and teach him things. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm, I got too many things going on. We're contending. I need to get somebody in here with experience and it just hasn't worked out. But that's wasn't that him at some right. point. I like, was just going to say yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. How that's the know. question that we, we have arrived at. It's what I texted Rob earlier today. Either Kyle is the offensive genius. We all think he is, was, we all thought he was. However, you, wherever you're at with that, we all thought he was an offensive genius when he was hired. Either he is that or he's a guy that perfected a specific system, but he's stuck to that system. And he's not able to be the actual offensive genius that breaks out and creates new things and evolves as a coach. And I think that's the crossroads we're at. Either Kyle's mm -hmm. an offensive genius or he's somebody that mastered only one scheme and the scheme has been around long enough. Too many teams run it to where he's not able to adjust because he's not actually the offensive genius we thought he was. I don't know the answer to that yet. That, that's a good point, though. I, I think we're there, right? I mean, this this season is is kind of an important one, and it's a shame because it's it, it, it the season's not the way that Kyle Shanahan expected it to go. I mean, he he expected to have Trey Lance, which I'm sure was going to be a different offense than you know to an extent to what they are doing with Jimmy Garoppolo, and so now he's kind of stuck back where he was before but again it, it goes back to can he pivot and that to me is what he has proven that he hasn't been able to do that much yet and and so that's the challenge right now can can he pivot with the same you know players on offense for the most part and and do something different we'll just have to wait and see I guess I do want to point out, and I agree, we're definitely at that point with Kyle, but the 49ers are not the only ones having trouble scoring. Right now, teams are averaging less than 22 points a game. 
or at least going into last week's games, they were. If that continues, it'll be only the second season in the last 12 years in which teams average less than 22 points a game. So, yes, the 49ers have had their problems. I think defenses, for whatever reason, and maybe it's some of the things we've talked about, they've made the adjustments, uh, but it seems like the defenses are winning so far this year. And, yeah, can Kyle do it? I think he can. I really do. Like, I, I think he... From from how it's been explained to me, Kyle's greatest strength is understanding the rules of your defense and coming up with plays that exploit those rules. If your linebacker does this against this personnel group on this down and distance, whatever, we're going to do this to counter that, and he's going to be wide-ass open. So if that's true, and I believe it is, then he should be able to pivot. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's a matter of him not being capable of devising a scheme I think it's a matter of him of stubbornness, basically. I think he just needs to admit that the time has come to, you know, hit the eject button, pull the ripcord, whatever analogy you want to make. I think that's what's standing in the way more than he's he doesn't understand the X's and O's and what to do in that area. I mean, I, I will say this. Last week, Jimmy would have probably had a 400-yard, four-touchdown game if the receivers didn't let him down. So the offense is close i would put it that way like they have changed one thing they're certainly taking deep shots and making it a point to take those deep shots and they've been open they just haven't Mm -hmm. connected because either jimmy throws it inaccurately or when he does throw it accurately the receiver drops the ball like it's like every single place somebody in, in the line that needs to do their job messes up yep yeah, I mean, so that's the challenge. And and I mean, if things do turn around, I don't know about you guys, but not, I'm not expecting it to be from one week to the next, right? It, this, if he does pivot and change some things, and that's a big if, right? Because we're talking about the stubbornness where, you know, Levin, you brought up a good point. I mean, had those plays happened successfully, we wouldn't even be talking about this, right? I mean, so in if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm thinking it's not, I'm not the problem, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I called the good plays. They were open. Pretty much it, said that. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now he, I'm turning into you guys where I'm repeating. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> Kyle has said that. <laughs> Kyle has pretty did. much said they just need to execute. <laughs> I thought it yeah, was a really, yeah. I thought it was a really bad look after the game for him to be like, well, we did, we dropped this pass. We dropped this pass. We dropped this pass. The real turning point in the game was that third and 13 where we didn't get, it's like, dude, Kyle, that was in the second quarter with the score tied, which awarded the Falcons zero points. Like that's the turning point in the game. It was almost like, I don't think he meant it this way, but it was almost like he was kind of saying, I did my part. I got the guys open. I can't catch the ball. I I don't scheme up the defense. Like I, I just thought it was a very, very weird look from Kyle because both of those plays, those drop passes were on second down. You still could have converted. The drives could have continued. You know, it's you can't just throw up your hands when one thing doesn't work and say, well, that should have worked. Well, great. If my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. Like, we got to keep moving here. And ultimately, if something doesn't work, like I mentioned earlier, it comes back to execution. That falls on you, Kyle. Like, that I yeah I I didn't like the answer either it was felt like a deflection honestly and I 
almost like throwing your defense under the bus. Like, and, and knowing that they were dealing with so many injuries, how did you not know or somewhat expect that they were going to give up more plays than they usually do? You know, you have to be able to have your offense ready to score more points and, you know, be the one that can win the game. Um, and so, you know, we'll end it here. And we've kind of just been somewhat answering this as we've went along here and somewhat with the first question that I asked you guys, is like how confident are you guys that the offense could, uh, you know, kind of carry the defense and score points if it needs to? Uh, you know, I felt like the consensus was that you guys aren't very confident in that. Right. I think it's going to have to be a shootout with all the injuries on defense. The chiefs are going to put up points and that means it needs to be a shootout. And I don't have a confidence. The Niners can put up enough points, be consistent enough on offense to win a shootout. They have all the, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say like, why is that? Why, what is it about this offense that like, can't keep up in a shootout? You know, like that's. It's not built for it. Never has been. This is supposed to be a methodical, slow grind offense. And the only offenses that are going to be able to truly, you know, give you confidence they can win a shootout are the ones that are led by Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, the truly elite quarterbacks. It requires not just a good quarterback, but a truly elite quarterback to have that confidence. And you throw in there, the offense is not built for quick strikes like that. It it just, I'm not going to have confidence and it's going to happen. The difference is in a shootout, Patrick Mahomes has more bullets because this like offense that. can draw up the schemed plays like we talked about, right? They drew up yeah. three deep shots in the game. That's that's it. That's all the ammo they had, right? They had essentially fired all their bullets in that game against the Falcons. The Chiefs, they got the cheat code, man. They got the unlimited, the game genie unlimited ammo. Patrick Mahomes can just drop back. I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl. Literally, that third down in the Super Bowl, that wasp play, right? That Mahomes is like, oh, let's let's run Wasp. And and they're like, literally, somebody says, I don't know if it's Andy Reid or, or Biennemi or somebody is like, I don't know if you'll have enough time for that. He's like, I'll just keep dropping back. And he just drops back 15 yards and launches a rocket straight into the, all of our hearts that they eventually catch. And we all know how that turned out. But like, he can just do that anytime, anytime they need it. He has that in his bag. We don't have that on our offense. We've got our four bullets. And once they're gone, they're gone. And I hope the other team doesn't score anymore because if they do, we have nothing left. Steph, never invite him back. We went all episode with no Super Bowl mention. We're going to have to put up with that so much this weekend. And you got to bring it up right at the end. You got to throw it in there. Sorry. How often does he bring it up? Because he t- he admitted to me that he watched it. He watched this. Bowl every day or every week yeah. you said rob right every, every week the masochist that's why he has a show with me yeah that's true <laughs> i'm glutton for punishment i can't help it i do and i watched the 2012 one too i absolutely have i've watched them a million times i've rewatched them this many times I every time see it. frank gore breaks that run against the ravens i think he's going in he breaks Ed Reed's tackle and he's at like the five. I'm like, we got it, baby. Let's go, Frank. And every time he gets pushed out of bounds and they never even come close to scoring after that. So speaking of the 2012, 
really quickly, like, because we know that Jim Harbaugh is going to be there. Have they mentioned any of the players that are going to be there? Uh, well, Tim Kawakami did. Players. It's going to be okay. he, Willis, Bowman, Justin Smith, Alden Smith is going to be there, which is going to be really interesting. Oh. Kaepernick was invited, but nobody, if they know, no one is saying if he's going to show up. Uh, some other people, too, are supposedly, Kyle Kami said, others are going to be there. I'll be fascinated to see if Michael Crabtree shows up. I feel like he's been sort of a ghost since le- <laughs> he, he didn't really leave on the best of terms. He kind of threw Kaepernick under the bus when he left. I love Michael Crabtree. I hope he's there. Um, but it's going to be like, they're going to have a pretty damn good list. I bet Delaney Walker will be there fresh off his retirement. I'm glad they're doing this. I know a lot of people have said, well, they didn't win the Super Bowl. Why are you honoring them? We're honoring them because they were awesome. And I yeah. love them. And I, yeah, like I like to see those guys again. You know, you can't win the Super Bowl every year, but like it doesn't mean that the journey isn't a hell of a lot of fun. Right. No, those were some great memories with that team. And so, yeah, it, it didn't end how we wanted it to, but I, it's still fond memories. I mean, come on now. So um, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this, this was fun despite the bickering between you two. Okay. Next time going to have to, you know, put a little divider here between <laughs> you guys and mute, mute the others, Mike, while the other one's talking or something. I'm just joking, but uh, thank you guys for coming on. This has been great. And uh, for those of you guys watching, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you give this a thumbs up. And uh, if you're an audio (laughs) listener, make sure you give us a rating and uh, have a good rest of your Wednesday night. Peace.